Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Whiskey Mistress, and it's her show. She knows about whiskey and stuff, you know. Hi, this is Debbie Shoker on Believe in the Whiskey Mistress on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? So what is whiskey? Whiskey is a distilled spirit made from grain and aged in wood. And there are a lot of distilled spirits that are made from grain, but whiskey is made from grain and aged in or by wood. Now it's not just grain and wood that makes whiskey. There's actually five elements to whiskey. Of course, you have the grain, you have water, and you have yeast, and you have wood. But there's one more element. It's said that time is whiskey's most precious ingredient because it's time that makes it mellow. Now, it's interesting to note that unlike some wines, which may continue to mature and develop inside the bottle, once the whiskey leaves the barrel, it's done. It will never be any better than the moment it has its last kiss from the wood. So, how much time? Well, just how long a whiskey should remain in the barrel, that depends on the character of the whiskey. With light whiskeys, a few years may be sufficient. With heavy whiskeys, much longer periods may be necessary. And with poor whiskeys, no amount of aging's gonna make them good. Whiskeys kept in a barrel too long, they can develop undesirable woody flavors. Now, whiskey gets 100% of its color and at least 50% of its flavor from the wood it's stored in. And these barrels, they're laid away for years at a time. And during the hot summer months, when everything expands, the whiskey inside the barrels actually expands and gets pressed deeper into the pores of the wood. So what do those numbers on the bottles really mean anyway? Why are some of them three years, some of them are 18 years or even more? And what determines, I mean, who decides just how long a particular whiskey should remain in the barrel before bottling? Well, that's really quite a hefty question. And the answer, it doesn't just hinge on the character of the whiskey. It also depends on the climate where the whiskey is laid down to mature. You see, because of the generally cooler climate, and the much narrower seasonal temperature variations, it can take as much as three years inside the barrel in, say, Scotland to accomplish what takes only about a year in Kentucky. And that's why you often see much higher age statements on Scotch whiskey labels. Even more interesting, I think, we now find that California is great ground for whiskey because what may take a year to accomplish in Kentucky and much of the rest of the country it takes even less time here in the Golden State. And that's because here, and especially in Southern California, the temperature rarely falls below 50 degrees. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, sometimes it does, but generally it's rare. 
And that means the whiskey, it never goes dormant inside the barrel. So you have warm days, you have cool nights, and the whiskey is constantly moving in and out of the pores of the wood, this passionate, furious race to flavor right here in California. So go to your local Happy Juice store and give those California whiskeys a try. It's time for the Whiskey News with Debbie Shokan. It should come as no surprise that whiskey sales increased again last year. The top five selling whiskeys in 2019. Number one, Jack Daniels. And that should come as absolutely no surprise to anybody anywhere. They took almost $318 million in sales. That's about uh, 13% of total whiskey sales in America. They're followed, number two, by Crown Royal, Canadian whiskey, the top-selling Canadian whiskey in America. They took almost $312 million. Everybody knows Crown Royal. Almost all of you had one of those purple bags, purpley-blue bags that they come in. Everybody loves those. My grandfather gave me one when I was a little girl, and I think I, think I kept my marbles in it. Number three... Now, some of you are going to roll your eyes, but we're talking about Fireball Whiskey. I know, I know, I know. It tastes like cinnamon candy. It doesn't taste like whiskey, but that's why so many people drink it. And they came in at number three with almost $237 million in sales. No, I am not against flavored whiskey. Not even a little bit. That doesn't mean I like all of them. But what I think about the flavored whiskeys is that they are gateway whiskeys and they pull people into the fold. And we'll talk about that another time. Number four on our list is Jim Beam. Almost $223 million in sales. And that's followed by number five, Jameson's Irish Whiskey. $155 million in sales. Jameson is the number one selling Irish whiskey outside of Ireland. Does any of this surprise you? Well, besides the fireball. I, I don't think it does, really. If you are listening to me, then you are part of this whiskey boom, this whiskey interest, this growth in whiskey sales, and I thank you for being along for the ride. If you ever get a chance to visit a distillery, I highly recommend it. Whiskey is fascinating. The production is fascinating. The history is fascinating. The, the history of the individual distilleries can be extremely fascinating and a lot of those big distilleries they're seeing huge growth in the numbers of visitors they're getting buffalo trace has seen uh, 466 percent growth in visitors over the last 10 years you know buffalo trace makes more than just buffalo trace bourbon they make blantons they make colonel taylor they make weller and uh, the illustrious and elusive Pappy Van Winkle. There's a lot of good things going on out there in the whiskey world, and we're going to visit as much of it as we can every week right here. Now, if you're enjoying this show, please subscribe and rate the show five stars on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can also follow me, the Whiskey Mistress, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram.
ice, rocks, or a single large cube? I get a lot of questions about drinking whiskey on the rocks or with one single large cube versus drinking it neat, which means by itself at room temperature. Let me say two things. First, Fred No is correct when he says drink it any way you like. Secondly, it may very well depend on the whiskey you're choosing to drink. And by that, I mean you may enjoy a particular whiskey better if it is diluted. And that may be because it's an unusually high proof whiskey whose heat is overpowering the flavor. Or it may be because you're not drinking very good whiskey. But I don't really think that's the answer to the question you're asking when you say, should I be drinking whiskey on the rocks with one big ice cube or neat? And here's the thing. Cold dulls your taste buds. That's why you can't actually taste ice cream until it melts in your mouth. Yeah, that's right. Think about it. So that means if you're putting ice in your whiskey, you're not getting a perfect flavor profile or finish. But that doesn't mean it's wrong or that you're not drinking whiskey right. At the end of the day, it's really all about personal preference. And if you enjoy whiskey, then drink it the way you like it. You know, I'm very fond of saying whiskeys are like wines. There's one out there for everyone. And when you find that one that you really like, I challenge you to try it neat. Oh, sure. There are some tricks to enjoying whiskey neat, but remember that when you taste a whiskey at room temperature, your senses are, they're unencumbered by cold. You're able to enjoy all the flavor and the full finish. But getting back to the question about ice in your whiskey, here's something to consider. Remember that alcohol burns through ice like crazy. Whiskey on the rocks will be cold and it's also going to be pretty diluted as the ice is going to melt really quickly. If you choose to use one single large cube or sphere of ice, it not only looks cool, but the whiskey will be chilled and because there's less surface area on the larger ice, it will ultimately be less diluted. Less melting means less dilution. Less dilution means more flavor. And in good whiskey, flavor's really what it's all about. Whiskey. Alrighty, question and answer time. I have three questions here I'm going to answer. The first one is uh, a really common one that I get asked all the time. And it's, what is the difference between bourbon and, I'm doing air quotes here, whiskey? Um, and I like to go back to my wine comparison. Um, just like under the general umbrella of red wine, you have Merlot, Cabernet, Brunello, Shiraz. They're all, they're all red wines, but they have characteristics specific to each variety. And it's, it's the same thing with whiskey. Under the general umbrella of whiskey, you have the Irish whiskey, you have Scotch whiskey, you have rye, and you also have bourbon whiskey, among others. Bourbon is a variety 
of whiskey. It has characteristics specific to that variety. And um, among others, first of all, it's a uniquely distinctly American whiskey. It has to be made in America. And it is the official spirit of the American United States, as opposed to the other United States. It's the official spirit of America by act of Congress. Yay, Congress. And it tends to be a little sweeter than other whiskeys, and that's because of the high corn content in the grain recipe. And that's why we bake with it. We make bourbon cakes and bourbon balls. Um, so I hope that answers that question, that bourbon is a whiskey. It is a variety of whiskey and has characteristics specific to that variety. Question number two is, what's my favorite whiskey? I get asked that all the time. And sometimes I think that when people ask me that, they are actually wanting to know where they should be looking for their next whiskey experience. And I try to always point um, people who are asking those questions to the American craft industry. I think we are seeing some amazing things going on in American craft distilling right now. And that's because, well, just like craft brewing revolutionized beer as we know it because the brewers were really passionate about it and they were very excited they were very creative and they just changed up the whole game well that that same thing is happening here in distilling as well you have passionate and creative distillers who are going outside of that traditional box um, and the traditional methods and the traditional grains that have been used and you know a lot of these distillers they still have a day job I mean they're hoping to make a living at distilling whiskey but they're doing it because they enjoy it and because they are passionate almost all of it is very very good and that's why I will always say, try one of the products from the up-and-coming craft distillers. You know, a few years back when I was lecturing about whiskey, I would very often say that there were very few um, craft distillers in America that were making whiskey and making it very good because it's expensive, it's laborious, it's time-consuming, and that really has changed. The whole age of... Um, American craft distilling is coming into uh, it. Well, I don't know if it's coming into its prime, but it's really moving upward and onward. And there are several thousand craft distillers in America now, and most of them are making very good products. So try those. Look at those for your next whiskey experience. Question number three What is a hot toddy? Especially during cold and flu season, um, I often say, well, you know, you're not feeling well. How about a hot toddy? And people give me this stare like I'm giving them a magical potion. And, well, yes, it is a magical potion, but there are some ingredients in it. And if you're listening to my podcast, you're probably a whiskey fan. So I'm going to presume you're not going to put rum in it and that you're interested in the whiskey variety. And a hot toddy is very, very simple. It's four ingredients, whiskey, honey, lemon, and hot water. And the way I like to make it is two good full ounces of whiskey, uh, about a half ounce to three quarters of an ounce of freshly squeezed lemon juice, a um, couple of tablespoons of honey, and use good honey, 
and then just some hot water. Stir it up and there are actually some news articles out there that tout the medicinal properties of drinking a hot toddy when you have the cold or flu. It's actually quite good for you. Um, I guess I should say, be careful mixing it with cold medicine, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to presume you're not an idiot and you're not going to mix your alcohol with your medications because that is not good. But uh, do try one the next time you have the sniffles and see if you just don't feel better overall. You get the happy juice effect. You get the vitamin C. You get the honey coating the throat, the hot water warming you. Yeah, it's all there. It's all good. And that's question and answers for this week. Hey, I want to hear from you, so go ahead, subscribe, rate the show five stars, and in the description, write any questions you'd like me to answer here on the show. If I know the answer, it makes me feel really smart. And if I don't, well then, we both learned something, so ask away. Get on down to drink some whiskey, y'all! <laughs> All those amazing sound bites, bumps, and music, well, those are provided to me courtesy of the amazingly talented rock band Hurricane Sugar. You can find them on Instagram at, at HurricaneSugarLA or on the internet at HurricaneSugar.com. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for listening. Join me next week on Believe in the Whiskey Mistress right here on the Believe Podcast Network. The whiskey Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.